Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This week, we have Paul Keltner with Rooters and Tutors. Paul and Lynn comprise this team out of Tennessee, and they've been a strong force in barbecue for years. This is a great conversation with a lot of little tips, some good info on tracking cooks and information, and a lot of ways to help your game. So please join me in welcoming Paul Keltner. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience, and here's why. One small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70-plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube-type content. World champions like Getting Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid, and a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You'll also see unfiltered looks from all levels of pitmasters during their live competition coverage. And those same pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, you'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers a full-access league lounge at participating events. Our listeners to this podcast can receive $10 off of the $100 annual membership this month only, well, this month and leading up to the Royal, by using the code AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. That's AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. You don't want to miss this content and all of this learning. It is one hell of an investment. We are here today with Mr. Paul Keltner. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Luke. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad to finally have you on. We've had some uh, scheduling stuff happen. <laughs> Life gets in the way sometimes, right? Right. I got abandoned in a hotel lobby. Uh, for a couple hours, that was interesting. And then, uh, of course, there was Thursday. We were supposed to record Thursday. And then I got a, we both got a very awesome piece of news on Thursday that we're both going to the Jack Daniels. That's right. But, That's right. Did you, uh, did you do a little celebrating on Thursday? Normally, this podcast is reserved for me just asking questions of the guests. But we're going to take a little time today and we're going to go through this a little bit because I had no idea it was happening until yeah. the night before when Joe Pierce called me and told me that he's like, hey, man, good luck tomorrow. I'm like, what's tomorrow? I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, it's the Jack draw. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was I was four hours into an eight hour road trip back from Connecticut. So then I had four hours to stew about that. <laughs> which, which you know we've never been so i stewed about it that i didn't sleep very well the next night and then i woke up in the morning and i was having panic attacks it was terrible just terrible <laughs> I, I was right there with you i i didn't really i i guess it wasn't uh publicized as much about the date that they were doing the draw and everything and uh, actually, uh, Steve Hayden texted me that morning the same thing he texted me that morning and I was like hey good luck and 
do you know anybody that's going to the draw? And then, and uh, I was like, no, is it today? And he's like, yeah, it's this today. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of like not knowing actually, cause it, it, you know, all day long you're thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I've done different things every year and getting ready for it. Like I'm going to really pay attention. I'm going to really not pay attention. I, yeah. I remember in 2019, I went out to a friend of mine, uh, Brian Walworth, was vending at a brewery. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and eat some food and hang out with him. And whatever happens. He happened to call me this past Thursday. And I'm on the phone with him, and I'm like, I'm just going into my head. I'm like, why is this familiar? And I went, oh, shit. I was with him the last time I didn't get in. I got to go, Brian. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the worst thing I ever did was, is we're only about an hour and a half from the holler there and where they do the draw. And I went to it one time. Oh, wow. Nerve wracking thing I have ever been to. And I will never, ever, ever go back to another one. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't even imagine what it's like sitting there when they get to the states that you're in. Oh, it's, it is. It's just, it's absolutely nerve wracking. Like you you just, you're a sweaty hand and you're, and there's, Normally, there's not that many people normally in there and uh, it and just so happened that we didn't have that many draws in it and uh, two of the teams that had draws in the same state that we had they were there too so oh god <laughs> you know, you're, you're kind of like you know you you're happy for them so you're doing the clap you know oh that's great but at the same time you're like Damn it, i wanted to go <laughs> <laughs> I well said yeah so you've been there so do they go through and do all the states first is that how it works yeah they they actually have already pulled out the automatics and your your royal winners and that kind of thing they pull all that out and then they literally have all the states in these brown paper bags which each state labeled and they basically have just a it's 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 a cardboard box and they pour that bag into that cardboard box and they go around the room and they let people in the room actually draw the bongs out with the number. Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I've had I, the few times we've gone, you know, we've had people that we know actually draw our name, which is kind of cool, but <laughs> there's nothing worse to come up to a state and know that, you know, it, 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 it's numbers. You know, your name's not on it, it's just a number. So you don't have a clue of who you drew. You give it to the guy, the guy goes over and there's um, Pam Hess and Marge and a few others over there uh, at the computer. And then they have to look the number up and then they shout out who it is, you know? So it's, even when you draw it, it's like this anticipation of, okay, who did you draw? Who did you draw? (laughs) There's no way I could go. No, it's, 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 (laughs) I would never go back to that. Yeah. Cause if I'm there and like some random guys pulling to my state and I'm like, oh, I'm going to take you outside. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I was trying to rack my brain and think about the first time that I met you guys. And I think that ties in with another piece of barbecue news this week in that I think it was at Brasstown. It probably was. It probably was because, you know, we haven't really probably cooked in a lot of the same competitions too much. No. Uh, we, we haven't expanded into that area until just here recently. So, uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I knew who you were. I mean, 
everybody yeah. knows who Lucci is, oh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, you're probably right. Probably brass down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to say it was right after we bought, uh, the big trailer off of Heath. And we decided that that would be our first trip is to take it to brass town. <laughs> I was like, parked it and i went i'm never doing that again <laughs> <laughs> on a hill at an angle uh, uh, in a tight spot yeah yeah and it i mean it was i mean it was in the teens cold that year yep and i had no idea what i was doing with a trailer that had water system or anything you know we didn't even really want to hook up the water because it was so cold and i go out there and we're sharing a, a water hookup with uh smoking buttheads yeah. And and for some reason it was leaking. And I was <laughs> like, well, that's not good. So I I tightened it up. I had no idea that it was leaking <laughs> on purpose <laughs> so that it wouldn't freeze. Everybody come out the next morning and they're like, oh, some idiot shut off the water and now everything's frozen. And I'm like, I'll just sit back here by myself. <laughs> Let's go find that guy. <laughs> right. This is the first time that I've actually publicly owned up to it um <laughs> so i don't know if todd listens to this or not but uh who knows uh that's just funny but yeah man brass town yeah, is no more i tell you uh, what uh you, if you if you haul a barbecue trailer around much you quickly earn the certification of a professional driver real quick because um you have to learn how to back them things up and maneuver around in some really tight spots yeah it's that's, that's uh, one of them Absolutely. And I remember the first time we pulled in there and the guy was like, you got to go up this hill and back into the spot. And I went, went, nope. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is the first time I've driven this thing anywhere. I'm not backing it up that hill. It's just not. <laughs> you need to put me down here where I can just back it into a flat spot and call it a day. Uh, yeah. But that, that contest uh for those out there that haven't cooked it i think is just truly one of the special events especially on the east coast and it is a shame to see it go i understand but at the same time it's always been a great time to go down there yeah it's you know it's in february it's early in the year and it's kind of the breakout you get to see you know teams that you hadn't seen in you know two or three months at least and um, if not longer and so part of it's just good to get out and see other people and that kind of talk about what's been going on in life in general with them and right and freeze and freeze, freeze and it's freeze always together. it's always <laughs> cold <laughs> yep wow so you're having a pretty good year this year huh uh yeah it's i mean there's been some 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 ups and downs for sure in there but uh but yeah I, we we've had a pretty good year i'm definitely not complaining about it um we've kept a consistency about it so that that's always a, a goal so how much are you engaging in the uh points chase well it depends on how close i can stay in it so you know at one point we were pretty engaged in it and i think uh all american uh mr joe pierce and uh superhero <laughs> brad has have kind of taken the reins and said see you guys later but um it's still a hunt. It's it's still I think there's still, you know, a good eight to nine teams that are right there in it, and a one GC and a little bit of a lull on their part. It, you could see that numbers swap around a little bit. Um, 
but but it's it's slowly slipping a little bit if if we don't we don't figure something out but we do this every year it's it's kind of odd with barbecue I, I don't know if you've ever experienced it but i've talked to other teams but we we have historically over the last couple of years where we've taken this more seriously we start out pretty good then we hit a lull in, in the summertime it, it just things just kind of slow down and i mean and um and then in the fall it'll kind of pick back up again but and other guys do just the opposite. They start off kind of slow, but then they hit a stride in the summertime and just make up tons of ground. And, and yeah. I've yet to figure out exactly why. <laughs> no, we've uh, in the past. It's always been the lull. The year we ran real hard, especially on chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, know, we we were winning chicken, winning chicken, winning chicken. Then summer hit, and it was just the doldrums. You know, like we weren't we weren't hitting anything and. You're scared to change anything because that's right. <laughs> it's in your head though. It gets in your head, you know. I mean that's how we are now with chicken. I mean, you know, we we we've done really well up until the last four or five contests, and we can't get a chicken call. And you're like, what have we done? Are we you go back home, you you analyze, you know, because we keep notes on each contest and just to make sure that we're not changing something, and then you replay the cook in your head, and you're just like, What have I done differently? where they just don't like the chicken anymore and it's it's funny what it can be we went through that with chicken and uh, we got to a contest in wise virginia i don't know if you've ever done that one i have uh, yep. it's a great contest and yeah you went this year didn't you yeah i did mm-hmm. yep this is the first year that i missed uh and i'm still very sad about that um can't be as sad anymore because i went to west virginia and won a contest that got me into the jack daniels Sorry to keep repeating that, but hey, <laughs> I'm going to milk this baby. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. And I let a judge come after turn-ins and try my chicken. And he just looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? He goes, this is so hot. Huh. It's spicy. He's like, you're putting way too much on there. And I was like, I had, it never occurred to me that I was over seasoning it. And yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things, especially when you're cooking like every weekend and it's hard to pick up on mistakes that you make at that point, you know? Yeah, it, it definitely is, is that you can get a little bit complacent, I think, when you cook a bunch and before you know it, you've gotten away from your original product that you were turning in and you don't even really realize it. So uh, we're like that right now with brisket. Brisket is just a great mystery to us right now how we we did well last year we did really well at the beginning of the year and then all of a sudden it just there was a series of events i've tracked it gone back and look you know <laughs> what contest started this fall and try to figure out kind of what we've done and we before we knew it uh, it kind of got in our head and you you're not really cooking the same thing so uh this weekend we're, we're trying our best to keep it as plain and straight to the recipe that we have as much as we can and not do any deviations whatsoever on the fly just to see where it's you know it lands and i think that's a great piece of advice too because you really you know i always find when i start getting in trouble with the meat that i'll go back to something that i did years ago that it's kind of like a blankie you know what i mean like a security yeah. blanket and yep. it's like, okay, you know, this one's always treated me right. And let's just try and get back to the basics. And 
it's been a common theme on this podcast of you know it's never adding stuff it's usually taking away stuff that makes makes your scores go up yeah i could see that definitely yeah so let's get into the questions this has been fun though i've been waiting waiting to talk to you for a long time i know we've talked about this for a long time and i think you guys have one of the best names in barbecue uh, <laughs> and how where did that come from how did you guys come up with that Hey, that came from, hey, uh, the, story, the story is, so we, we've been cooking for a little while, but with our first five years or so, you know, we, we just did backyard for a few years. And, and uh, even when we decided we wanted to go pro, uh, and the reason why we wanted to go pro, because uh, we were tired of the inconsistent scoring in backyard. So I don't know that we, that really worked out the way that we thought it was going to. <laughs> but uh, here we are on the pro side now. But uh, we, we were originally started out as a uh, uh, big boy barbecue, uh, you know, and I, I always thought that I was a fairly large man, but uh, after the first couple of contests in barbecue, I realized real quick that I'm not as big as a man as I thought I was. <laughs> so the barbecue world has a lot of large men. So I was like, well, my name doesn't quite fit me. <laughs> so uh, we were sitting around one day and uh, the movie Friday came on. And, and that's when we kind of caught on to it. He was sitting there eating, I think, uh, I can't remember what he was eating, but he just made the comment that he was licking his fingers from the rooter to the tutor. And we was like, well, there's our name, Rooters and Tutors. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that movie. And when you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly. <laughs> oh, that's man. where it kind of came from. We could stop the podcast right now and it'd be perfect. <laughs> Well, well, I can tell so far from our conversation that you are very data-driven. Uh, you like yeah, to dive into yeah. the scores and the score sheets and the finishes. So what does that look like for you on a week-to-week -week basis? You know, I, I, I've tried to learn not to take it to heart so much um, over the years, but I do start to look for trends. That's what I'm looking for. So if, if I'm seeing... Um, let's face it, if, if, if you're scoring eights and tastes in today's barbecue competitions, then you're sitting in neutral, I think. Um, in most regions, and we travel a lot of different places, if you're, if you're scoring eights, then you're just, just neutralized out. So you got to be looking for nines. So we're, we're, I'm just looking for trends in that. So if something doesn't hit that contest, I'll start to kind of think about it. And when the next one comes along, I kind of remember that one and then look at that one and, uh, Lynn, my, my wife and teammate, uh, she actually has a spreadsheet of every contest we've done, all the scores, and she tracks, she prints off new sheets for every single contest, the exact recipe, the timelines, everything, just in case, because you do occasionally make tweaks to your timelines, maybe subtle tweaks to your finishes or rubs in general, but um, so we track all that. So if something does start to get off the track, we can back up, find it and then kind of start over again from there. But Wow. I have one of those too. Yeah, Kim, it's very Kim, useful. Yeah, Kim can tell you what recipe we cooked eight years ago and where Harrisonburg, Virginia. I mean, she yeah. she has religiously kept all of that information. And, you know, I thank God all the time for her OCD-ness because, <laughs> I mean, it's just not something that I would do. And, uh and, but, you know, it's really, it, and it does come in, in hand, especially if you want to help somebody out. And especially also you mentioned cooking all over the place. 
is that a newer thing for you guys going to different places and cooking all over the country it is it's probably only the last year or two that we've really started doing that because i mean we like i said earlier we we've only really been cooking a lot of contests over the last two three years and so these these last two years we've really jumped out there and just started going all over the place and we normally pick contest i pick a contest she picks a contest that's a new contest somewhere that um, is normally crazy far away that we just want to do and um, so we i picked humble texas this year i've never cooked in texas and that was in january and i did that one and then she picked one up in wisconsin uh, that that we wanted to go up to and we've done that one so it's we've we've been all over it's fun it is, it is uh, fun. Kim and I started doing that, you know, once we really got into it and it's been a huge blessing, man. Just being able to see some parts of the country, like like you mentioned Wisconsin, when we went up there, it's just beautiful up there. It is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Cleanest state I've ever been in. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, Texas is one of the ones that's on our list. Texas was fun. I'll tell you, that's one thing we went to Texas and and I would like to go back to Texas if if they could figure out a way to do some early January contest and kind of string them together a little bit where I could just kind of leave my stuff there and not have to haul it back and forth all the time. But uh, that group, you you kind of got the IBCA vibe that kind of mingles in with the KCBS and those guys are all about having a good time. I mean, they're, yep. they're very serious, awesome cooks down there. But those guys, they're there for days. And and they set up the big tents, and they're there to have a good time. And they want you to have a good time. And that that's, that's you know, KCBS is probably a little more business side. And IBCA seemed like it was a little more <laughs> part, fun part, and, and, and party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a nice pace change. Yeah, that's – Kim and I try and cook – a different state every year mm-hmm. somewhere we've somewhere we've never been before it, it's just it's just a lot of fun that way and we always get to see different things and meet different people and i think that's one of the best and most rewarding parts of barbecue is doing that it's yes. a it's a lot of fun yep so you guys you guys aren't superstitious are you you know, we're not too bad. I mean, we, we have a few little things, uh, but it's it's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> we we have a little ritual, you know, in the mornings, but I I, I, I say we're not, but we could easily become superstitious uh, in, in some of those things. I'll never forget one time we had a, uh, a Lynn found a pork butt, and this has been a few years because you can tell by the price, but the price of the pork butt was $9.99. And we won pork that weekend. So for the next two weekends, we looked for pork butts that were $9.99. <laughs> we didn't find any more. <laughs> um, yeah, it's easy to get into. We have the only little thing that we do is, is I always have a, a glass of chocolate milk every contest. And it's always somewhere around 930 or so. And um, she always has to take the first drink of it. And that was because that happened by accident. We won a contest. The next time she didn't take the first drink, we didn't do so well. The next time she took the drink, we did well. So we just stuck with it. And we've been doing that for a couple of years now. She always takes the first drink. And if she, if I even hint that she's not with the first drink, I get the look, you know, and so yeah, I get the look. <laughs> right. I, I get that look a lot. <laughs> 
Oh man, that's a great. It, it, a lot of times, especially when I'm teaching classes, people are like, "Why do you do that that way?" And I'm like, "Because it worked once." <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't have a rhyme or reason to it. It just worked, and so I just kept doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you guys listen to a lot of music when you cook? Yeah, yeah. While we're uh, you know on Friday when we're prepping the meat, and and then on you know we're cooking it on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. We I have a little speaker in that sets up in there, but. You know, and I actually, I actually enjoy that part. I, I don't see that as much anymore, I guess, as people are kind of afraid what people might think. But when we first kind of got into this, I mean, it was pretty common for guys to have like very elaborate sound systems in their trailers and are carried with them. And uh, I don't see that much as anymore. Uh, you know, I don't want it at midnight or anything, but uh, during the cook, I, I, it doesn't bother me at all for the guy next door to, to let it rip and open it up and, um, as long as it's a decent mix. <laughs> right. So what's on your mix? What, what do you got on there? Man, we are, we're all over the place. We really are. I mean, I, I've always liked a lot of different genres. And uh, I guess maybe because it just keeps you from getting bored a little bit and monotonous. And there's nothing wrong. There are certain people that kind of have their lanes and they stay in it. That's fine. But I'm all over the place, you know, from, you know, it, it, it might be, you know, some, some old school, you know, Rob bass or something to Duran Duran all the way over to, you know, dance, you know, to DJ regard or something. I mean, it, it's all over the place, you know, we're, we're techno, we're all over. And and that's fun. <laughs> Funk, blues, it doesn't matter to me. Only thing I don't, I'm not real big into K-pop. I hadn't really got into K-pop too much. Me neither, man. I don't... <laughs> uh, Outside I, of that, we're all over the place. My sister-in-law tried to play that for me the other day and I was like, why are we listening to this? No. <laughs> Not <Okay>. good. <laughs> so do you do the same thing week in, week out when you're getting ready for a contest? You do everything on the same day? I try. You know, we, we, we do have a ritual that far as when we get back from a contest the next day, there are certain things that got to get done. Um, and then the meat trimming throughout the week is normally the same. I normally take Mondays off. That's my rest day. I don't, I don't like to really do much when I come back home from work. Yeah. Uh, but but like today, I've already been working on some meat. Um, today's Tuesday, and we've been working on some meat already. And so, my Tuesdays, Wednesdays are my meat prep days, and Thursdays the day to get it all together and load it up, and potentially get out of here, depending on where we're at. Right on. But it's yeah. off. It's off. You just kind of adapt. But people do ask me all the time, like, we don't know how you do that, like weekend after weekend after weekend. And and, and you know, is that it's just. You don't even think about it. You just do it. You know you got to do it, and you just get up, and you you don't it just comes naturally to you. Matter of fact, when you don't have to do it, when you stop doing it, it's when it feels weird. Exactly, and that's what I was trying to tell. Um, so the guy that I first started cooking with, um, when I first found out about this, I catered an event for his company tonight, and he was like, "Well, what?" He's like, "You look tired," and I was like, "Yeah, I've been working a lot," and. I was like, yeah, I just, you know, tomorrow's pack up, get meat trimmed, and then, you know, drive to Alabama and cook a contest. And he's like, oh, he's like, that's just too, sounds like you're just keeping on working. And I'm like, no, man, like going to a contest is fun. Like that's vacation. <laughs> this is, that's fun time. Let's go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, I just get, um, I hate it when I don't have chicken chicken trend by this time during the week, and I don't. Yep. I just haven't had time, so I'm getting up at five in the morning again. I'm gonna knock it out, get it done. Knock it up for it. Yeah, I've done that. 
get up early and knock out one. Yep. Catch up. Got to get caught up. Yeah. If you can find it, man, I'm telling you right now, I don't know what's going on with chickens, but uh, we're having a hard time even finding chicken. I had to go to three different stores to get enough just yeah. for this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like every week. It's hard to find chicken. Ah. I don't know. Supply chain stuff is... Everything's screwed up. Everything's screwed up. Yeah. But what's not screwed up is, you know, how successful you guys have been in the past couple of years, especially. And we love to, everyone in barbecue loves talking about successes. I like to talk about failures. Do you have a favorite failure of yours where you really learned something that really pushed you forward and changed how you guys approach your cook? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, we've only one time had kind of a, a, a bad failure and, uh, that was just missing turn in when we were early on, we missed a rib turn in. And if you've ever watched Lynn take a box to the turn in table, she has one speed. I don't care whether she has five minutes to get there or one minute, she has just one speed. And that's where it comes from, from that one disqualification. But we really don't, outside of that, to me, it's not the big failures that have shaped us. It's more of the little failures that over time it's the little mistakes that you make that subconsciously you didn't realize was a mistake until after the fact that you start picking up on uh, being more focused and, and, and taking what you did and analyzing it at the end and trying not to do that again. And you're going to, you're going to do it again. It's going to happen. Um, but it, you also kind of understand how to correct some of those things that may be going on. So I can't say it's one big failure. Uh, I know there's some people out there that have overcome and, and, and done some pretty, um, good things after a, a big failure. But for us, it's just more about little things and learning from that. And it's, I don't know if you go through this or not, but you know, you, you send a box that's gone. You're sitting there and your, your cooking partner isn't there, which happens for both of us to be our spouses. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you go, Oh shit, I forgot to do X. And then you, I always have this moral battle within myself. Do I say anything? <laughs> right. Do I tell her that I forgot that? <laughs> and if I do tell her, do I tell her before the next turn in or do I just wait until all the turn ins are in and then, and, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I've gone both ways on it. <laughs> or, I, I, that's where, you know, where we've learned a little bit is, is that, uh, if you ever come into our trailer, everything we do is sitting there on a piece of paper and um, nobody ever really pays attention to it hanging up on the wall. But um, that's one of the things that we we have done to kind of help try to eliminate some of that is that it's there and you just got to read the initials and understand the, the secret code language on there. But uh, so <laughs> normally when a, when a meat category comes up, Lynn will read that step and refresh herself to make sure that she knows exactly what she's got to do and uh we'll taste it after that and adjust from that if there's something outside of the normal that we think we need to do because it just didn't cook as well we'll do that but yeah, yeah that's that's one of those little failures that we've done that and missed something and um learn from that it's yeah and kim has created a similar document on google docs where you know, people always think that, you know, I'm out there 
five thirty in the morning watching the Jambo and they think I'm watching TikTok or doing something stupid. I'm actually reading that. Yeah. And and I, keeping it fresh in my brain and making sure that I know uh I'm a morning person, so I'm up at five pretty much every day. So if I set my tone by reading through that entire process three or four times, then that usually, well, it also makes me grumpy because then that's all I'm focused on for the next five hours. But <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong with uh, reviewing notes. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. So let's switch gears here a little bit. What is one of the best uh, investments that you've ever made in competition barbecue? Oh, wow. Uh, best investments. You know, I try not to think of the big things. I think it's the little things and probably most little things have already been said. But, you know, the the, the things that I think we use the most that I think that I, I really have to have is my knife sharpener. I sharpen my knives every contest. And um, they're only those knives are only for the contest. They only they stay in the trailer. They don't get used to open um, cans or tighten screws or anything i mean they're my knives and lynn knows that so that that's that's one thing i think it really helps you understand when you cut the meat what you got and uh, so you literally is, you sharpen them or you just hone them um I, i'm actually doing more honing than i am sharpening yeah um, because they're decent quality knives and you don't really have to sharpen good quality knives that much it's more of just honing it in um, each one. Yeah, just occasionally throughout the year, I'll kind of have to reset the blade angle a little bit and for the next few contests just to hone them. But yeah, I mean, you can really tell a lot by cutting a piece of meat. That's why, you know, I don't have anything against guys who do use electric knives. That's fine. But I no, can tell isn't. a lot. I <laughs> call myself a pit master running around <laughs> electric knives. This is not a fish, fish fillet contest. Right. <laughs> I'll, uh, and I won't use this person's name, but I saw them do it and I went, wow. And they were like, what? And I was like, I just thought somebody as good as you would probably actually know how to use a real knife. <laughs> and I walked out because I was like, I can't believe this. What is this? And uh, I just, I just can't feel with it. I just, it, it's doing the cutting for you. So I'm sure if you do it enough, you can kind of start to catch the feel. But for me, I can cut a rack of ribs and I can tell Lynn, Lynn is the decider of ribs. She, she, she's the one that pretty much says what goes in the box, not me, but I can tell her based on how I'm cutting them, which ones to focus in on. Um, right. Way with pork and brisket. And I can tell how slick, how thick to slice my brisket based on the way it feels as I cut it. I don't know I feel, how guys let do that. Well, I feel like, yeah, exactly. I, how do you even, you can't feel anything, but like a small jackhammer in your hand. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I, I honestly think we could do a 30 minute podcast just on that knife feel, you know? Yeah. And, and when I'm slicing ribs now, Kimmel, I, she'll be washing dishes and she'll, she, and I'll just, I'll make a slice and I'll go, Ooh. And she's like, Oh, that one must have been good. You know, she doesn't even look <laughs> up. She just knows. Or if yeah. she hears me cussing back there, she knows that I uh-huh. usually yeah. under undercooked them probably because it's just, it doesn't, it's not. Yeah. I mean. Just cut them and get them back on the cooker. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the other thing, you know, outside of a knife sharpener, I would say I am a little bit of a of a, a techie kind of guy, and um, I, I do use my I, I use probes. I, I know I'm probably breaking all the rules and using a probe. I know there's some some very purist guys, and there's there's an art to that to not using a probe and understanding timelines and just kind of getting a feel for it through aluminum foil without ever opening it up and that kind of thing. But I, I use probes to kind of get me in, in, in the ballpark of where it's going to be. But more importantly, I think where some people miss the boat is, is that the graph feature of a lot of your, your pros features have now is that that graph can tell me a whole lot about that piece of meat. And uh, if you really watch it, you can predict when it's going to be done. You can see if it's, you know, if you're pulling it normally at a certain temp, depending on the speed that it's raising, it might get done a little faster than you think in the next right. temp. Uh, you can also see when meat has hit that limit and you've gone a little too far and it's backing up on you. If you're paying attention, you can see those things and, and, and hit those windows a little bit more consistently. Uh, huh. I, I do like my probes um, for, for that. I love my probes. And the reason that I do it is... I just feel like it gives you another piece of information. Yes. Mm -hmm. it, it gives you another, another point of reference. And I mean, everybody knows it's a field game. Uh, but if I, like you said, if you're in the ballpark, that's good knowledge to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know, a contest, there's a lot going on. You got a lot of meat going. You got, you got, you got people coming by and visiting your site and you got guys over there trash talking and you got all this other stuff going on. And, it's sometimes it's hard to juggle all these different meats and still kind of feel for which one was doing what, you know, especially when you get into pork butts where you've got multiple ones and they're all reacting differently. And yeah, no, that makes a whole lot of sense. And those are all, you just stole all my thunder on my favorite question of what's a hundred dollars or less. That's most positively impacted your barbecue life. <laughs> Yeah, uh, they'll be under a hundred dollars. Well, yeah, they both be under a hundred dollars. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> of how fancy you want to get, I guess. Yeah, and and I mean, those are the things that you know. I really think, especially people that might listen to this that aren't necessarily competition cooks, but even people that cook in their backyard, having a good thermometer or a meat probe and letting know you know where you are, you know it can make or break an evening sometimes. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Let's talk yeah, about some, injector. I, I like a good injector. So I've gone through a lot of injectors Gosh. and you can use disposables and you can, you can get by on different injectors, but I finally broke down this year and bought a, a fairly nice injector. It's a spit jack. That thing is heavy duty. I mean, it, I've been using it every weekend this year and it's still just chugging right along. No, doesn't miss a beat. Nothing gets loose and wiggles or breaks and, uh, so I finally did it, but I've gone through a bunch of different ones and they get clogged up and you can't get them unclogged. And it's just, yeah, yeah. I, I would say if there was something that's made my life easier, that would be the, having a high quality injector for as much um, meat product that we go through on a yearly basis, so to speak. Yeah, that's no, that's a, that's a great addition. It's I've gone through same as you. I mean, it's just like, oh, this auto draw one ought to be fun. And then, God, and then next thing you know, you shot your needle into the wall of your trailer and you're like, huh, 
this isn't gonna work <laughs> yeah you just always trace cha uh, chasing one you know you'll see a new one pop up Ooh, that looks like it'll work good and you buy that you know at 40 50 bucks and it lasts a few contests and it starts messing up and so i just finally broke down and bought a pretty nice one and it's been worth it right on let's talk about people all right i like talking Not, about people. me too <laughs> <laughs> who uh who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue Ooh. you know as well as i do that is a hard question i guess that's why you're asking that because <laughs> there's so many people that influence you if you're in this for a little bit um i i, I think it's it's i would say the most it depends on which stage of my cooking deal that you're in but I would say to start off at the very beginning, it would have probably been Donnie Bray. When I guess my second or third year cooking competition on the pro side, I, I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, then I need to figure out what's going on and why I'm not scoring as well. And my first class, my first class ever was Donnie Bray. And that was his first class of teaching. Oh, wow. And I, it wasn't just recipes. You know, Donnie to me really showed me what the art was of cooking barbecue and then also stressed it the the the, the tenderness side of it that is so important to kcbs and not so much i mean i'm here i am out there thinking i need to come up with some peach mango habanero sauce and put it with some allspice ginger rub and just blow them out of the park with flavor and he was just the opposite and it just kind of threw me for a loop but he was he just talked and preached just the opposite thing of just doing really good barbecue really well and how it all averages out and, and comes out in the end. And he's been very true um, to that. So I would say Donnie had a really big experience. And then later on, I would say uh, guys like Jackie Price, you know, Jackie Price is full of information. If you, if you, if you've ever been around him um, with smoke on this and um, he hasn't cooked as much this last year or two, but just not only just good barbecue cook, but also just a super great dude um, that's just full of life and stories and history and experience. And um, he's the one that got us taking notes like we do now. He's the one that told us, you know, you miss what you've spent all this time developing your technique. You miss one step and you've left something on the table. So don't do that. Keep up with your notes, track your conditions, see where you made your changes and do it every contest. And he's the one that started talking us into that. And we've been doing it ever since and it's paid off for us. Jackie, Jackie's somebody I need to have on this. Jackie is, Jackie would be a great interview uh, for sure. He has, he has a lot of uh, things to talk about. <laughs> one of my favorite people in barbecue. I absolutely adore that man. He is, uh... yep. <laughs> he's yeah, one so of the- many people. If you think yeah. about it, I mean, there's so many people. We're around so many different teams, and there's just so many people that are just so willing to help you. Whether it's you know, we we've gotten help before uh, from High on the Hog and from Jiggy Piggy, and I mean, there's just all these other teams that are just like, if that's what's so great about it is, I think all of us as a team um, and look at other teams and go, you know what, that guy's really putting the work in, but he's kind of hit a roadblock in something. I'm going to make myself available if he needs to ask any questions. And there's yeah. just, they, you see that everywhere in barbecue. And there's so many guys willing to, to do that. And so I think just Donnie and Jackie have had direct in, in you know, um, impacts on me, but 
as a whole, there's just tremendous amount of barbecue teams that have really helped us along the way over the last several years. Yeah. When you hear, you know, all of us get into this for a different reason, one or the other. What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Just uh, how it brings people together. I, I don't know that when I first got into barbecue that I really realized how, and I should have known, you know, I've always thought that food is the great barrier breaker. You know, if you really want to know somebody, cook for them and invite them to eat with you. And, and it, it, you'd be amazed at how, you know, of a friendship that you can create from doing that. And barbecue has already jump-started that because you're, all of us are there for a common reason because we love to cook barbecue. Um, and then you add in the competition side of it, but you learn real quickly is that uh, people are generally happy for teams to do well. You know, it, nobody wants to see somebody struggle. And that, that I truly believe that is uh, there's very few teams that I know that would not offer to help another team that was struggling. And that's, I think that's really unique. And that's just kind of surprised me. I did not expect that. You know, I, I came from playing a lot of sports growing up and it was really competitive and you didn't give away your advantages, but this is one sport that's, I say sport, this is <laughs> one, whatever you want to call it. Um, hobby. Expensive hobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> culinary experience or whatever you want to do but uh, <laughs> that that's different it's just different and so the friendships we've made and i'm sure it's a very common theme on, on most shows and that you hear a lot but it is so true and you just cannot stress it enough that there are no strangers in barbecue and um we we all care deeply for each other while we're together and when we're apart and so absolutely all right, before we get to the fun rapid fire questions, what advice would you give to a smart young cook who's about to enter the world of competition barbecue? I would say, of course, you, of course, you know, practicing and understanding uh, your scores when you get them and, and knowing how to read them, but. I think most importantly, having the understanding going into this deal is that honestly, judges are your friends and don't look at them in a different light. And once you start to learn that, I, I, you know, I was talking about barbecue teams that have, have guided us and helped us. There's been a many of judges that have done the exact same thing. Um, yep. We lean, there are a few judges that uh, we trust and uh, to know what they're talking about. And we lean on them pretty heavy throughout the year just to understand, to try our product and also to understand, well, what's kind of changing on the tables and what's, what are judges saying? And um, so, yeah, I would say that is just going into it, knowing that you're cooking for six random people that you will, may never, ever understand exactly why they give you one or the other, but uh, still embrace them as, 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 as a friend and they can help you greatly throughout, you know, your cooking process throughout the time. Yeah. Cool. All right. We're going to get into the, uh, rapid fires now and they might have to be really rapid because my computer says it's going to go to sleep. No, we got plenty of juice. We're good. So what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Knee jerk reactions. I, I don't, um, 
you know, social media is bad about everything. armchair quarterbacking and, and that kind of thing anyway. <laughs> but, but when I, I don't, I, I don't care how right you think you are. I just don't like knee jerk reactions to comment cards and to events that happen in contests and things like that. I just, I don't think it does anything good for anybody. You'd never gain anything out of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, just keep it to yourself. I think. I agree. What is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? Oh, wow. I eat a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> we normally try to go, we'll normally have Mexican food, you know, prior to the contest. Uh, during the contest, uh, I have to have donuts that morning for a snack. And then at the very end, we normally have some sort of uh, a sweet treat at the very end of the contest. And then actually on the way home, um, we have a lot of bologna sandwiches. So I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm from the South and bologna is just, you know, one of those deals we like to eat a lot of. So when I'm driving home from a contest, a lot of time it's a bologna and cheese with mayonnaise sandwiches. That's almost every contest. Which That's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? We've started here this last year. We started giving, uh, uh, there's a candy called, a, I said it earlier, but uh, there's a candy called uh, a Goo Goo Cluster. And it's made here in yeah. Tennessee. And uh, we've started giving it out to some people. And, and uh, it's kind of been like a little good luck thing. Uh, the ones we give it out to, they normally do pretty well. And I mean, they were already doing well, but we're just taking the glory for it by giving them the, the Goo Goo <laughs> Cluster. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of become a little ritual thing where we will trade Goo Goo Clusters, uh, us and um Heavy smoke, Chris Schaefer. So he has, I, as you have you noticed, I have a sweet tooth, and uh, the chocolate milk that I drink, I always do better when Chris Schaefer gives me. I think it's called Over Overvice, Overvice. Yes, Overvice chocolate milk. It is the absolutely best chocolate milk I've ever had in my entire life. Every time he gives it to me, we score really well. <laughs> wow. So, and we trade out Google clusters for that, but yeah, I would say, yeah, we just get some candies and stuff. You'll probably That's see cool. some at the Jack Daniels contest. We'll make up some packages of Tennessee products and hand it out to teams. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Last one. Well, maybe not the last one, but definitely the hardest one. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it say and why? Oh, wow. Uh, does that have to be barbecue related or just, nope. just, in, just in general? I would say just in general is like, hey, you know, the, the purpose of life is to be happy. So, you know, go be happy. You know, it, I think we get so wrapped up in stuff and so worked up. It's just getting ridiculous here lately. So, yeah, just remind people just the purpose of you being here is to be happy. So smile. That's yep. right. <laughs> Spread the joy. Absolutely. All right, last one. What's right. an what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? An unusual habit or absurd thing that I love. <laughs> Blowing sandwiches don't count. Um, that, that's pretty high up there. <laughs> well, you don't like bologna sandwiches? Come on now. Uh, you know, I don't know. You got me on that one. I, I don't. You know, we're, we're fairly vanilla. I think in most things. Yeah, I can't think of anything absurd that I might have. It's quite <laughs> usual. Uh, 
Nah. I, I don't I'm, know. Maybe maybe, maybe we'll get Lynn on and do the teammate interview and see if she's got any absurd things that she loves. I'm sure she does. I, yeah. I don't know that's absurd. I, I tell you, she's uh, of the group, you know. Um, I've heard you talking on some of the other podcasts uh, podcast about trash talking. I tell you what, now she's the trash talker. Oh, she oh, gets yeah? it. Oh, she likes it. Oh, she, she'll sit around and think of stuff to say to somebody. And then she'll sit in a trailer and be like, ooh, ooh, I'll be right back. And she'll run, you know, five trailers down to just go stir up something and come back, you know. <laughs> but uh, it, it, she does it for fun. But uh, I tell you, uh, her, and, her and Chris, if you've ever been around Chris Shepard much, he, he, he's a little talker too. Those two go at it. Those two really go at it. And she gets the greatest joy of, of getting him speechless where he can't come back with something. So, um, Man. Uh, yeah, you ought to have her talking about some of that stuff. She is she is high on my list if she can render Chris Schaefer speechless. <laughs> oh, she's done that a few times. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, thank you very much for being on here. Are no, there any uh, sponsors? Where can people find you online? Are there any uh, sponsors? Yeah, we're on, or- uh, I, you know, I'm the worst social media person there is, um, so I don't really keep up with it much. But you definitely can can get a hold of me or, or just kind of keep track with us occasionally uh, through Facebook. Uh, we do have a Rooters and Tutors barbecue, and then also Paul Keltner, uh, and then Instagram. There's a Rooters and Tutors on Instagram. Uh, so yeah, you can definitely cool. hit us up on that. All right, cool, man. Well, thank you very much for taking some time, and we'll see you here yeah. in a few weeks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, bye-bye.